0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, everyone. It's Wednesday evening. A little, uh, little bit of a late start tonight on American Winer. I uh, had some issues with the Skype in Studio 3. How's everybody doing? My name is Alex. As I just mentioned, this is American Winer. Wednesday evenings on podcastdetroit.com. My guest tonight joining us from the west side of the state Um he is a man of uh, many things, many talents, uh, known for many things. Uh, I have known him since I was in high school. Uh, Mr. Steve Pankovic, Steve, how are you?
1: Hey, thanks for having me tonight. This is awesome. I'm you, great. How
0: about you? <laughs> I'm great, man. Now that we've got the Skype working, I'm I'm in good good shape. I have never had that happen before. You were trying to call and you were getting a busy signal. We tried uh, rebooting the computer. I tried rebooting the Skype. Uh, Dave, the uh, the studio owner, came in and fiddled with it he'd never seen it before so i was like i'm just gonna mosey on over to studio two and uh, we'll do this in studio two so we ended up yeah Yeah, well we ended up getting it to work as soon as i saw the number pop up on this laptop i was like oh thank god it's not it's not something super weird um we made it (laughs) yeah we made it uh so um you know, I, I originally I wasn't going to do this uh, so proper. When, when I when I know somebody prior to the interview, I usually just try and keep it more conversational. But I, with you, I was looking you up, and I'm like, you know, I think I'm just going to start asking it the way I ask the guests that I don't know. Um, and Sounds good. So uh, <laughs> I'm, it's been a while. So. It has. Yeah, we were just talking about that. It's it's been uh, close to ten years since we at least since we spoke, if if not over ten years. And because I mean, we were just kind of like intersecting in each other's lives for most of the two thousands. Uh, like,
1: yeah, I feel like we waved to each other when we both
0: worked at the park. (laughs) Yeah. We both worked at Kensington together. I'm back there now, by the way, I just on just one day out of the weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we worked at Kensington. We went to high school together, but then like you kept like, I'd see you at college and we kept knowing a lot of the same people. And like, it was just kind of a, I don't know. It was this weird serendipitous thing. So, but then, uh, um, I see that you're, you're writing poetry now and you had this interesting incident yeah. a couple of weeks ago, um, with a thing that you do called poetry. And, uh, and so uh, we'll, correct. we'll, we'll talk about all that, but, uh, but I always start off the interview with the same question going all the way back to the beginning. Uh, where were you born?
1: So I was, uh, actually born in garden city, Michigan, where I don't think I lived very long, but I grew up and was raised in, um, new Hudson, South Lyon, pretty much most of my life.
0: Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I grew up, this is interesting because I grew up in, in South Lyon uh, myself, starting from when I was eight on. So um, normally when I ask this question, I have no idea what the person, I have no frame of reference what the person is going to say, uh, but what was growing up in South Lyon like and uh, and what were you into as a kid?
1: You know, looking back on South Lyon now from when I was growing up is such a different experience. I mean, it's changed a lot, but it was... Um, South Lion was small and it kind of felt like growing up in like a leave it to Beaver episode without really knowing what that meant at the time. Yeah. Um it was kind of like just quiet, quaint little community with everything around it, which was always, you know, once uh once we got into high school it was nice to you could go to Ann Arbor, you could go to Detroit. Lansing wasn't far. Um but there wasn't really anything in South Lion other than going to school and leaving town if you needed to
0: do anything yeah like go see a movie i mean there was a little movie theater There still isn't a little movie theater in town um it's just one screen though. yeah uh and um yeah it really was i mean it was it was kind of like this little oasis almost in the middle of farmland and then the farmland yeah. spread out and if you wanted to get the closest you had to go was was brighton or novi if you wanted to uh if you wanted to um to go to go do anything if you wanted to go to the mall or if you wanted to go see a movie or whatever um. So, I mean, what did you fill your time doing then before you were in high school and you couldn't, you couldn't oh, get out? Man.
1: A lot of, uh, cross country, cross, cross country and track was kind of my life then. And music at the time I, I grew up thinking like, oh, I might be a musician one day, which did not pan out as it does for, or as it doesn't for most people who think they're going to be a musician when they're in high school.
0: But. Right. Um, so I, I remember that. I remember you were a cross country kid. You were you were you were one gangly fellow. Um, and yeah, uh, and, all and lanky for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then I do remember the music thing. We we jammed a couple times. I remember when I was living in my a apartment in N Y C. Jammed in was
1: your dorm or your apartment room
0: at Eastern? It was an apartment. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. actually one of the first times I played like like stuff for for other for another person. Like you were one of the first people that I would. I would jam with. Um it took me well I'm
1: honored, Yeah. Yeah.
0: It took me years to, to get to that point. Um, but uh so uh I mean what what did your parents do for a living?
1: Um so my dad worked for kind of like everyone in that area, uh worked for, for a motor company. So like everyone had some connection to the auto industry in that area. Right. And uh my mom worked at one of the local elementary schools, um Kind of as like an aide and helped out with uh you know with kids at
0: lunch and stuff. Uh, you know, it's weird, man. I just realized I've had a couple different writers on in the past month. I had a, a poet and another <clears> couple. Of, they all their their teacher, their moms were all teachers. So that must be like some sort of prerequisite for people wanting to write is like their their mom taught. Um, I mean, did yeah, that have an effect on you? Did she school? like? Yeah. Did she make you read or anything, or did you read on your own? Or not really?
1: I kind of came to books on my own. I remember in. Third grade, uh, we had to do like a, a book report on any book we chose. And my dad, I think, passed off the Hunt for October that like Tom Clancy booked to me. And I was in oh, third yeah. grade reading Tom Clancy and I remember my teachers being like, What are you you actually reading this? <laughs> like, are you compromising <laughs> this? Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I never knew you really as a as a um as a reader. You were like I said, you were, like you said, you were a cross country kid and then and then you did music for a while. Um So I mean when before we get out of uh i want to ask when poetry when you got into poetry and when that that uh, particular passion started with you um but before i do uh what kind of a student were you and i kind of know the answer to this too i have a vague idea cuz again we had some classes together um but uh yeah. i never heard it from you so what uh, what kind of student were you
1: you know i was i was what i think they would consider a good student i mean i had you know really good grades i wasn't necessarily a studious student though um Looking back, I kind of magically got through just sheer willpower, I guess. But, um, you know, I did a lot of, like, AP classes. Um, For a long time, I thought I was going to go into, like, a mathematics or, like, psychology sort of field um, was kind of my interest then. But a lot of it that shaped me was, um, did you ever have Mr. O'Dowd?
0: Oh, yeah, I love Mr. O'Dowd. He was was easily the best teacher I had in grade school all through all 12 years of it.
1: Oh, easily. He kind of reshaped a lot of my direction in life um, and made me really realize how much I did like the literary aspect and the thinking deep. And even um, Scott Smith was another kind of big influence in my life then. And so I was kind of that kid that, uh, that hung out with their English teachers. And I think that was a big part of who I was as a student.
0: Yeah, I I remember Mr. Smith too. Uh, he was another English student. He was the cross country coach, wasn't he? So that that would have made sense. Coach, yeah. Um. Yeah. And then, uh, but then O'Dowd. Yeah, I remember having a. What years did you have O'Dowd? Was it, I had him freshman and, and then senior year.
1: I had him, I believe, junior and senior year. Because I know I took a, a class my senior year just because I wanted to have him. We brought like a bunch of vonnegut.
0: And, yep. Yep.
1: Um. When I first had O'Dowd, though, he did not like me. Uh. Really? Because it was clear I wasn't doing, like, homework. I was kind uh-huh. of – I was showing up for class. I, looking back, I, you know, I should have done school a lot differently back in the day. Um, at first, I think he thought I was just kind of a lazy student that wasn't going to do much. And I'm not sure what the point was where we suddenly clicked, and then it everything was different after that. But
0: Well, dude, I just I, realized – I remember
1: looking back and him not liking it that,
0: <laughs> I Because – we had that class together in senior year. It was the same class because yeah. we read cat's cradle. And I remember you sitting, I was, I would always sit on the couch. He had a couch that he, he sat in the room and, and I oh, would always, right, underneath like a huge U two poster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is before phones or anything. Right. So it was, I mean, there was no monitors or anything. It was just, I mean, while well, we had one TV monitor up in the corner, but it was just, it's amazing that there was a time where we didn't sit down and immediately pull out our phones. But yeah, cause I remember I'd sit down and yes. then you sat like to my right over against the wall. Um, so yeah, I completely forgot about. It. We read uh, we read *Cat's Cradle* in that class, and and you're right. Yeah. I I don't. I remember in freshman year he had us. He introduced us to uh, Ray Bradbury. We read *Fahrenheit 451*, and I didn't. I had no appreciation for that at all at the time. But then yeah. for some reason, by senior year, I realized like how different he was as a teacher. I mean, I I liked him in freshman year, but I didn't fully appreciate it until I I was a senior for some reason. And and then I was like, this guy is. He really embodies the whole. The, it's if you really want to be a good teacher to a kid, you teach him how to think instead of what to think. He was more of a life That's is really worth good living good. kind of guy, so yeah, I was the same way and and i mean what I mean so for you i mean he, he started off not liking you, you said, but i mean for you what what do you think changed there or, or for you what changed
1: i think um well i I remember a really specific moment where I was you know, being involved in class, and I think we had to turn something in, and it was clear that I had not actually done the reading and I was just playing along and I I think he called me out in front of the whole class which is um, was probably the best thing he could have actually done because at that moment I was like oh I actually really respect this guy and I need to be making sure that I'm you know meeting expectations and not just trying to skate through and I think that really changed everything and I kind of went through a phase where I wanted to maybe impress him and it kind of worked out that a lot of his interests were along the lines of mine. And, um, I think he even passed me a copy of another, uh, Vonnegut book, slaughterhouse five. And I would stay after class to you know, like come up during lunch. And go, Can we talk about this book? This is amazing. And we kind of started to really connect after that.
0: Huh? Yeah. That... So the
1: one thing I, I'll always remember about him is first day of class, he like, made it we all we all send to a rage against the machine song yeah. and then analyze the lyrics and it was like okay this guy's doing something on a, a much cooler level than most of my professors
0: or teachers yeah yeah i remember that at the time it was like whoa and then system of a down too we listened we watched the oh, System yeah, of a Down video. <laughs> um so yeah that and you know he had and the thing is you mentioned he called you out you know he had a, a great sense of, i mean he still does he's i believe he's still teaching at south lion um, I hope so. Yeah. He, uh, he had a great sense of humor and this is 20 years ago now too. And I, but I remember like the very first class in freshman year, I don't know if he did this for you, but, uh, we walked in and he was playing cruel summer by ace of base on this, uh, <laughs> on this little, boombox. Uh, boom box. And he comes in and he, he, right. he hits it. And this is, you know, it's, high school is intimidating, right? And this is the second class I'd ever had, you know, in high school. And it's just this completely yeah. different vibe. And he comes in and he hits the stop button And he goes, he goes. Does anybody know why uh, it's a cruel summer? And of course, nobody answers (laughs) him. And he and he fucking just yells. And he's like, "Because it's over!" And and so right away, just yell. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't an aggressive thing. He was he would be smiling when he was doing. it. It was clear that he was just fucking with us and like trying to wake us up. He would kick kids' desks when they'd fall asleep. Oh, they fell asleep. Yeah, he would he would I remember this one time this girl fell asleep and she had her her head down in her in her you know on her on her desk and without saying a word and cuz it was during a class discussion he he would most of his classes were just discussions. We'd pick a book, we're supposed to read the book, write about the book and then class time would consist of discussing. And uh yeah. but he so without the discussions going on it was without saying a word and the discussion continues while he does this he just goes over and puts his face like millimeters away from this girl's face and uh and just sits there and it took her a good i mean 15 20 seconds it went on for an uh, like an uncomfortable amount of time before she her eyelids fluttered open and she just you know jerks back and uh and so he would, yeah. It was, that, that's that sums it up right there. He had this really weird—I mean, not weird, but like an unorthodox way. But like you said, he made you respect him. He made you want to to uh, uh, realize what was going on and and to appreciate what he was trying to do. And I—I I mean, I've had some good teachers over the years, but like I said, he was the, easily the best one. And it sounds like he was that way for you too
1: oh definitely cuz he would he would call you out but in a way that showed he did respect you and he he wanted more from you cuz he he definitely saw potential in people i think that's the mark of a good like a great teacher
0: D- did you do any writing for him and did he like did he say steve you have a talent here you need to pursue this
1: i did and i think that's what really led me towards literature when i got into um into college cuz he would um i remember one time he used one of my essays as an example and at that point in my life that was like the highest honor i could achieve <laughs> oh god's reading my essay and whatever i don't remember what the book was now but well yeah cuz you were, remember the essay
0: <laughs> well you, you you were like uh like you said you, that wasn't something that you thought you were you could be good at and then all of a sudden you're like wait a minute my my this is worth sharing with other people <laughs> so uh yeah. so yeah like you said highest <laughs> honor that's 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 a great thing you you said you do remember the essay
1: um, I just remember that experience. I'm trying to remember what the book was and it's totally failing me right now. Um, it might've even been cat's cradle. <laughs> yeah, that's, huh. that's like my biggest memory with him is reading cat's cradle and how much that like really changed my whole high school experience.
0: So, uh, what happened after high school? I know you went to Eastern cause so we, we saw each other at Eastern. Um, but I mean like, what was your goal? What were your goals? Like, what did you want to do? Was that when the music kicked in?
1: Um, Quite a bit, especially like right after high school. I had a lot of like starts and stops with college. I, um, the first year I was like, all right, I'm gonna stay home and do community college. And then I started a band with, um, you know, some friends. And that didn't, you know, I think we played like Clutch Cargos, one of those battle the bands type things. Uh, that, that wasn't, doing uh, back then.
0: that wasn't Chemical Five, was it? Was that you?
1: No, that was, uh, oh,
0: Matt Mass. Do you remember them though? Matt
1: Massage. Yeah, yeah, I was in a band with Massage at the time, though. That's we did uh, a, what was it called? We were a band called Naked Trees for a while, and like, yeah, Trees is such like a motif in my life now. But um, <laughs> we were like an, ins- we wanted to be like Explosions in the Sky, and we played a bunch of shows in like Kalamazoo and stuff because he was going to Western, um, and I was at MSU for a year, where I thought I was going to go into psychology and kind of dropped out of school and went back home. Um, rethought my life and then ended up going to Eastern for, uh, to study um, English and teaching.
0: Okay. So, I mean, so I didn't realize that you, you moved around so much. What, what like made you drop out of state? Like what were you, cause you started going, you, cause you said you started with the community college thing. And so did you, yeah. you were just, you just got your electives out of the way then you're you're and then transferred. Is that, is that, was that the plan?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. It was just like, all right, I'm the, you know, ease into it. And then I kind of dropped myself off at state and just didn't dig in. Um, I feel like I was probably just not emotionally mature enough for it, kind of drifted, um, got just really into doing music instead. And it was funny cause I would be skipping classes and it wasn't like I was skipping classes to go hang out or do something. I was often skipping classes and hanging out at, um, like a local bookstore and reading. I was reading Faulkner and like Dostoevsky and stuff at the time. And so it's it's really weird to look back on. It. It's like, why didn't I just like apply myself to to school since I was clearly applying myself to what I wanted to do. Um, and that's when I realized that maybe I'm choosing the wrong path and, which I guess is a good way, uh, you know, trial and error sometimes you gotta, gotta find yourself. <laughs>
0: well, yeah. And if it's, it's better to, to change. And when you know you're unhappy than to just like, be like, you know i guess i'll keep going cuz if you know you don't like it then you especially when you're that young it's good that you realize that and uh and got yeah. out but i mean so you went to eastern and uh you wanted to be a teacher and 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 then what happened
1: um so i went to eastern eastern was great i really dug into uh to you know literature there and that's uh really when poetry started to become kind of one of the more most important things in my life at that time um i had some really great roommates and uh they um kind of we were all like oh we're going to be in a band and we were really into playing the acoustics and listening to Neil Young and I was the one that was writing all the lyrics because none of them wanted to and somewhere along the way we started reading I was at um Don Treader bookstore in Ann Arbor which actually I'm sitting in a couple blocks away from right now
0: oh no kidding and I
1: picked up um Dylan Thomas's uh, like collected poems of Dylan Thomas, who's kind of like an impenetrable poet to start off with, but um, without knowing it, I bought a copy that I think must have once belonged to a professor because all of their notes and all the poems were in the margins, and it helped me kind of start to decode poetry. And that guy was using metaphors in a way that like I'd never even seen before, and that really made me realize like maybe poetry is more what I'm interested in um and I remember yeah it was like Dylan Thomas and like W.H. Auden were like really big for me at that time in my life and then of course everyone gets into Mary Oliver uh and I think that's when it started shifting from music into I really wanted to write but I really wanted to write poetry because I felt more freeing for some reason um but then, so after that, I ended up, uh, having my daughter and moving out to Holland, Michigan, where I started working in a, um, my uncle's factory. And that's kind of when my whole life shifted. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, um, kind of working in this factory. We, we made signs and I was in like the graphics department where I was just putting like the, the vinyl on signs and that and I moved from, you know, being at home, being around friends to living in Holland where I knew literally nobody. I had this like newborn daughter, which was great. Um, but I had like no social life and I was working like 10 to 12 hours in this factory, like six days a week. And I just started really, I feel like there's a big part about literature that um, loneliness and literature tend to go hand in hand, which sounds really cliche, but that was kind of like my lifeline. And It wasn't, you know, I was reading a lot of like Steinbeck and stuff when I first came up, but at that point it was, I kind of felt like I needed to, to prove something to myself even. I was just dove into a lot of the heady books, um, got really involved in, there's this website called Goodreads. I don't know if you've heard of, um,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm on there. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
1: So Goodreads is, you know, you, you review books and I started, this sounds kind of sad, um, in retrospect At the time it was like the best thing for me, uh, got really invested in Goodreads and I realized I missed, um, the thing about college was when you finish a book, you have to be accountable for it. I loved writing essays. And when I got out of college, I would finish a book and it was like, huh, now what? Like, I don't have anyone to talk to about it. So I'd just hop on and write these like five, six page essays that I were just posting onto Goodreads. And there's like a social media aspect to it where I kind of fell in circles of a lot of people that were doing like, you know, people that are professors and all over the world. And it became my community for a long time. And it was kind of a cool way to like push myself into reading more difficult things, reading things, you know, other people would suggest, reading books with people. And so I was working in this factory all day, but just like obsessively checking Goodreads and commenting back and really dissecting books. And um, I think if it wasn't for that, uh, it would have been a much darker period of my life.
0: How long did that last so that's then? That's kind of when it shifted. So, because you, you, um, you about, did, cause that would have been uh, like what, like 2010 when your, when your daughter was born somewhere in there? Because that was right after I, yeah, the last time we saw each other then. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then you moved out to Holland. Now, are you still out in Holland? Because you said, you just mentioned you're, you're in am, Ann Arbor. Yeah. So you're just visiting Ann Arbor today?
1: Yeah, it's actually um, my wife and I's anniversary and we're just like, hey, let's, go to Ann Arbor
0: and go hit up some bookstores and Oh, happy happy kind of anniversary. <laughs> happy anniversary. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um uh so uh well that's great. I I because I I knew that you were you'd moved to the west side of the state and uh and I knew that you were I knew that you had a kid. Um but that was it. I I and then I mean I I yeah. I, I can't remember when we when we became Facebook friends again. It was a while ago. It was at least several years ago. And, uh, and then it was, it, I was watching you and, and it, you know, I mean, you just, as you just not like obsessively or anything, but you just, on my feed, you know, I'd see, oh, here's what Pinky's oh, doing. Oh yeah. The, and, the way
1: you know people without knowing them. it's Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs>
0: and, uh, and it was like, oh, he's, he's writing now. Like, and he's, he's, he's really got this, this interesting, uh, poet thing going on. Um, I had no idea yeah. that you were on Goodreads and that was kind of how you, uh, you, you, you cut your teeth on, on, on. I mean, do you have much of a following on there? Like, what are you still doing that, or what's what's the deal with that now?
1: I kind of trailed off for a while. Um, I stopped having a job where I had computer access twenty four seven. But um, where I'm sitting here, sprinklers just came on. Uh, but for a while, I was kind of determined to like prove myself on there, and you know, there were there's like rankings. At one point, I think I was like one of the top ten reviewers in the world, which was really cool. And it was a lot of like you know older people that were just knew way more than I do. And I remember they would talk about like, these is just super difficult books. And they're like, Oh yeah, almost no one can understand this. And being, you know, like 26 at the time, I was like, Oh yeah, we'll watch this. And I'd read it and then write like a 10 page essay just to like, I don't know. I felt like I had to, um, I guess prove it's kind yourself. Of a thing to do, but I just wanted to really prove myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I think fucking that comes awesome. Out of a, a feeling of despair at the same time, but.
0: well, hey, whatever it takes, man. Like, and, and I mean, they say that reading—I mean it's physically good for you. Like, scientifically, holding a book and reading it is good for your brain. Um, oh yeah. And I mean, just the like you mentioned the Don Treader. I love going in there, even if I don't buy anything, because just the the vibe of it, the quiet, and the the sense of the of the the paper, and 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 uh, and just you can just feel the the knowledge, you know, sort of pulsating in these, on the shelves of these, you know, these old shelves. And uh, it, yeah. it really is, it's this very wholesome thing reading a good book, you know, you finish it and, or you go through a really nice chunk of it and you just, you finish it. It's the same feeling for me that, that you get after you eat like a really healthy f- filling meal. Um, I don't know if it's the oh, same yeah. way for you, but.
1: That's a good way to put it. Actually, it's just, yeah, it just consumes you and you feel like you've consumed it in a way that's made you, you know, you become a part of a book when you, I, I really love, for a long time, I was really loving like the big, dense. Uh, Roberto Bolaño is one of my absolute favorites. and He's got this book, 2666, that, you know, it's over a thousand pages and it's dense. And I remember thinking about it that it's a book that you kind of have to almost do battle with and you feel just like, so validated when you get through it and understood it and learn something from it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it is, like I said, very wholesome. So, so you, uh, you were, you were living out in Holland, you're still living out in Holland, but at the time you're living out in Holland, working in this factory, uh, you were doing that. When did you, so, I mean, what happened after that? Did that just start, you, you were writing about all these different books and, and, and poets. Were you, were you just like, I need to start writing my own? And, uh, if so, when yeah, did that, that's that really start?
1: When I started writing. <laughs>
0: and so um, how did that go <laughs> like what was the what was the i mean you know what was the process like
1: well it um it started off you know probably you know it was like oh i, I always thought for the longest time that i was going to be a novel writer or a short story writer and that's never i was having a hard time sticking to it and coming up with something and where i'd always come with these like ideas that i would never really like flesh out and then i realized um you know, I was living on my own, uh, and I had my daughter about half the time. So I was had all this like free space, not sure what to do with. I got out of the factory. I was like working at a, um, a Barnes and Noble and kind of finally came to find my own community of people there. And a lot of them were really into poetry. And we started talking about poet, um, one of my best friends, uh, Gov uh, who's a fantastic, uh, poet, we started hanging out and, swapping books of poetry and stuff and he wrote and I felt like, oh why am I not doing this? Um so when I first started writing, I think it was probably very much just trying to be uh the poet Charles Simic, who was um kind of my hero at the time. And uh so, you know, it wasn't great, but it was at least getting me doing something and thinking in a way that I'd never really thought. I think the best part about poetry is it's kind of a, a form of self discovery. Um, you really, really learn a lot about yourself when you look back and see what you've actually put onto a page, um, and so that's kind of how that all went. And then I was, uh, you know, was working at Barnes and Noble, ended up taking a job as a delivery driver at a coffee company. So spending all this time alone in a, a delivery van, you know, for weeks on end, not really seeing many people, and that's when. Um, I started just bringing books of poetry with me in the van, you know, and I'd have time to stop. I would just like read a poem that I liked. And and the one thing I like about poetry is it's something you can take in in a really brief amount of time, but then spend an entire day just digesting and thinking about it. Mm. And I think at that point I really switched from reading a lot of books to just reading a lot of poetry and starting to write. I started trying to submit, you know, my own out, got a lot of rejections, which is probably the best thing for me. Cause it was a good way to like learn why some of them weren't good. <laughs> right.
0: Well, you've been published though several times, haven't you?
1: Yeah. In the last like two years, I've got a good handful out. Um, and I think actually doing that poetry projects that um, I guess is coming up in the narrative now, which is kind of where it started was one of the best ways to really start to learn about craft. Um, there's a, what was it, just very recently there's a, uh, Poet, he's from Chicago, Nate Marshall. He was on, I want to say it was like Twitter or Instagram, and someone asked him why, you know, was saying about like why is you know, the way poetry taught it's so inaccessible and turns people off. And he made this like great comment back about how um, often when we teach poetry, we're teaching it, we're using it to teach like literary devices instead of emotional depth he said that a lot of people come to poetry assuming it's something you have to, like, academically crack like a code instead of, um, what do you say? He's like, rather than feeling it like a friend and then understanding that this emotional depth is a way to shape your craft. And I think a lot of times when people start writing, they want to be cryptic. Um, And you even look at, like, lyric writing. You know, when when you're young, your favorite lyrics are those ones where you're you read about what it really means and that really blows your mind that they could hide it that way. And I think a lot of people go into poetry thinking they're going to, they're going to make it like, you know, like a Rubik's cube that someone has to like solve. And I found that that definitely turns people off and that that's not really what poetry needs to be. And I think poetry is so much about like self-expression and looking at the world in a unique way. Um sorry i'm just kind of rambling
0: now <laughs> no no that's great how how many poems do you think you've written at this point Cause, i mean how long and how long have you been at it since you've been writing like seriously and you're like i'm submitting and 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 like trying to make a, a go go of it
1: um trying to think so many of them show up again and again uh you know it'll be a poem that you know at least a hundred i'd say but like some of my favorite things to do is to look through old notebooks at poems that I never finished or gave up on or just weren't good and finding that one line in it and realizing, oh, this is what the poem is. Or um a good friend of mine once pointed out that when we show each other our poetry, he'd always say, like, take this whole poem and condense it down into a single statement. And that's where you need to start. Huh. And so that's kind of. When I started to do that is when it really started to uh, reshape. And a lot of the poems I started publishing were ones that were started by just condensing an old poem into a single statement, and then going from there. Well, and that, I think it's really hard to figure out what you, what your poem is.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's actually kind of my my next question is what what is your writing process like? And I'm I'm sure it's different every time. But I mean, if you could just tell us about that,
1: I found it works best when I can do it quickly if you're just trying to force yourself to do it it's not gonna you're not gonna get too much out of it
0: don't try Um, like bukowski said right
1: exactly yeah What's that great line of it like you gotta pound the keys like a prize fight or something yeah that's really it you just gotta get a draft out
0: (laughs) yeah if it's not like coming out of you then then, uh then you you know then, then you shouldn't be doing it is the way he put it anyway it's like Yes, it has to. You have to let it come to you like a fly on the wall. It's another line. I think it's from that same poem. So
1: yeah, it might be in that one, or it's another one that's similar. He has like this great line about like if you need to show it to your friends, don't do it. Like right, right. if if you're doing it because you feel like you need to show it to someone, I think that's a really great advice. That like it needs to be something personal, and that you're doing it for the sake of the poem, and not because you want someone to see it. I think that's like a, easily an early mistake everyone can make.
0: But so, so, that's how you do it. Then you just kind of—I mean, do you? Are you a wait for inspiration kind of guy? or Are you a sit down and bang it out? Are you a swooper or a basher? Is uh, Vonnegut um,
1: probably uh, yeah, man probably like a swooper? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll go like a long time without writing anything, and suddenly I'll get an idea and I'll get it out, and then I'll spend the next month or two just every day kind of looking at it, rethinking it. Uh, my favorite is. Every time I work on it I just start rewriting it from the beginning and changing it as I go. And I love when like 2 months later I'll be working on the poem and go back to what one of the what like an original line was and realize I had it right from the beginning and that I was just overthinking it. But it's um it's I don't know I think that's my the editing process I think is actually my favorite part. Um, I feel like with poetry it's kind of like it's kind of like training a dog where like if you have a dog and you're just pulling it along on its leash it's not happy it's not you know it's out for its walk but you're just dragging it along but if you have a dog that you can trust and trusts you to let it off its leash and let it run and do its own thing but know that it's coming back to you I think right. in a way that's a good way to look at poetry
0: <laughs> uh, what are you currently working on then do you have anything that you're that you're working on
1: yeah. I actually just started a few, um, a couple of nights ago. I mean, I'm still doing the, the poetry project, which is, you know, none of my own, uh, poetry, but, um, got really invested in, um, cause I'm, my last name is So I have, you know, a lot of Polish heritage and the old like Slavic gods. And there's this really great story about, um, the, the Slavic God called bells. I'm probably even saying it wrong. And, um, a story about him fighting, you know, the upper god where he's stealing his cows and he's trying to and I felt like it was a really great story about like trying to redistribute wealth to the people and of course the the upper echelons don't like him and have to strike him down and it's this old story about how the, the rains came. But there's um a form of poetry called a pantoon where it kind of recycles lines and builds and it has this like kind of winding around moving upward feel. Uh, and so I've been really trying to write up, write a pantoon about this, you know, this serpent God winding his way up the mountain, <laughs> stealing the wealth from the, the rich. And I kind of feel like that's what I've been working on the most lately.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Um, a
1: lot of failures on it.
0: <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the whole fucking, that's the process though, right? You got to, you got to try and, 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 you, you know, I'm trying to think of who said it's, a, I, it was Edison. It was, I, I don't fail. I found a million ways that don't work or or whatever that is that's perfect yeah (laughs) there you go um but uh poetry because that is actually why i reached out to you to do this uh to do this podcast um i saw on instagram um i knew that you were doing it and i i kind of you know i kind of got the gist of it um as to what it is and then i saw that you had some some difficulty recently so just tell us the story man like how did poetry start what is it um why are you doing it and then and then we'll get into the more recent events
1: Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, kind of starting up where I left off. So I was in this delivery van and it was kind of lonely. I was reading a lot of poetry and I was hanging out with, um, a friend of mine, uh, my buddy Pete that I mentioned, and I don't even know how we got onto this, but he said something like we should just march over to Centennial park, which is this park in the middle of Holland and nail a poem up on a tree. Like it's a medieval decree. We laughed about it. And the next day, I was like, Oh, that's actually a good idea. Like, yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of times when you're hanging out with people who are into the arts. There's a lot of like, this is something I'm, I want to do, or this is what we should be doing, but no one ever does it. And at that point I was like, well, I'm going to be the person that's just going to go out there and do it. And so when I'd be out of my delivery routes, I was just writing down poems that I enjoyed and I'd tape them up on a tree, wherever I'd go, kind of as like an, I was here sort of thing. Um, and then I realized, like, oh, it would be cool if I made an account of, about this so I could see, you know, so I could collect them. And also, if I have, like, a, a hashtag or a Instagram account on it, if people take a picture of it, they can tag me and I can see if people have seen this and enjoyed it. Um, so I started doing that. I came up with uh, at Poetry. Actually, I didn't come up with uh, Scott Smith, the uh, high school English teacher, cross-country coach. We still talk all the time. And I think he was the one that came up with it as, like, a good pun for Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Yeah, because it it,
0: it's Poetry, T-R-E-E. So that's that's the uh, yeah. that's the hook there.
1: Yeah, Poe underscore A underscore tree. It's got a cute little pun, easy to remember. Um, and I had a friend, a uh, really good friend, uh, Julianne, who also really phenomenal poet. And I was posting, you know, around wherever I go or downtown where I live. And she started just like, oh, you know, I'm going to help you out. So she was posting them in like parks that she would go to and using a lot of her own poems. And we kind of just supported each other at first. And yeah, I don't think without her encouragement and being so excited about this project, it would have ever continued. Um, And I kind of just ran with it from there and started adding, you know, I realized like, oh, I was just writing it on scraps of paper. And I was like, well, I should, you know, do a little more with it get people's attention. So I started using like, you know, finding like interesting card stock or something just to catch people's attention to eventually it developed. I randomly one night bought a pack of oil pastels. And I'm like, I'm going to start painting. And now I do elaborate paintings to write the poem on. <laughs> um, but I think a big part of the project was the way it really reshaped the way I looked at poems and poetry because there is kind of that sense to people that it's such like an academic code breaking thing. And I feel like a lot of people are turned off by poetry. And if I was posting three stands of poems, you know, no one's going to stop and read that when they're walking by. So I started looking through and finding like the good quotes and just leaving, you know, the really catching line because I was hoping it would like stick with people and they'd go home and look up the poet or look up the poem and read more and I liked the idea of people just kind of wandering through their day and coming across this poem. I don't think people often uh often think about poetry. But there's this really great um Tracy K. Smith, she's the poet laureate. She's uh I read this thing from her recently where she talks about how like poems, you know, call our attention in moments like ordinary moments, um, where experience changes and how it like really shows us that there's, I think she's intoxicating possibilities in the ordinary. And that's what I really liked about the project, was that you'd just be walking through, you know, ordinary downtown, and suddenly you'd come across this, this painting with a, you know, a short line of poetry, and hopefully, you know, make people start to think about poetry in a different way, and realize that it can be accessible.
0: Yeah, and even just, oh. I mean, just, just appreciating this little, this little, like you said, scrap of beauty, you know, somebody. I mean, that's so yeah. cool because you started off like you said in these blue collar jobs that you're you're doing, and it yeah. kind of it's like as you helped you when you were driving the truck. You know, I drove a truck. I I fucking I, I I would love reading every whenever I'd have downtime. That was just that was I would go to Barnes and Noble, and, uh, oh, and it, yeah. was, it was a great thing to to sort of free your mind from the tasks that you were performing. So I mean, that's I, I when I realized what you were doing, I was like, that is such a good idea. And I'm surprised it hasn't been done uh you know before um at least that I know of um, but I mean yes, so is it
1: um it, a couple people that do similar but nothing like this, so yeah, it's kind of interesting
0: well is it is it completely random like you or do you plan it now Cause i mean it's it sounds you've been at it for several years at this point, and I mean do you have like a it's process now? really well thought out yeah. is it? Okay. Um,
1: i I hope people catch it you know um Well, when I was starting to do it, you know, at first I was going through just like favorite poems and favorite poets and books I had. And I was trying to do it every day. And so I was going a lot to um, the library and checking out just poets I don't even only vaguely heard of. And I really kind of expanded what I was reading. Um, And, you know, it was nice when you're looking through it because it makes you really see what makes a poem work for you. And why I'm choosing this particular passage. But when I was doing this, it made me it, made it really glaringly obvious that the the canon for poetry is very, very white and very male. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Because I was like, if I'm going to be using my voice for something, I want to use it to kind of uplift voices that wouldn't normally be heard. So I definitely made it a point to where... You know, I definitely try to post, um, you know, poets of color, LGBT poets, a lot of, um a lot of poems that are fairly subversive, but you wouldn't realize it at first, uh, which is kind of been my goal. Like a lot of the times I'll post something that's definitely responding to something happening in the world at the time.
0: Well, that so I mean, that's, that's, that's really awesome, man. That, that's, that's uh- a that you've been at it this long and uh and you continue to do it tell us what happened a couple i mean i think this is like a couple weeks ago at this point um oh yeah
1: so yeah i've been doing this now three years constantly you know downtown and and all that and uh, we just had our holland has a big tulip time festival and i had posted a couple you know near the tulip fields um which i usually do cause I'm always excited, like, oh, there's going to be a bunch of people in town. Let me get some poems out and see if anyone sees them. And suddenly on Instagram, I get a, a letter from the um, someone that works for the parks department saying, ah, I wish I had it on me, because um, it was very sternly worded. It was like, this is considered vandalism. If this doesn't stop immediately, we will be, you know, working with the police to ensure that you stop. Um, you know, I think criminal activity got used in that. And that kind of caught me off guard, um, especially because I definitely don't want to w- make a job harder for the parks department. We, I mean, we even worked at the parks.
0: You're right, right.
1: And so, uh, in what might not have been the nicest thing, I, you know, I scribbled out her name. I took a screenshot of it, scribbled out the name so no one could trace it back to them, and put it on Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, sorry, guys. You know, I have a pretty good following on there. I'm like, oh, apparently, I have to stop." And the response was really kind of cool. I didn't realize how many people were that moved by it. So many people reached out, and uh, people contacted the local newspaper. And suddenly, I had to—you know—they did a, a story about me a, a year ago in the paper, just because what else were they going to write? I think that week, and they're like, "Hey, we've done a story about you. Let's talk about this." And so, um, yeah, I got, I got kind of shut down, which was—I think it's funny took them three years to, to find me. Um, so I'm no longer posting just openly within the city because uh, I definitely don't want to. And one of the things I really wanted to make clear whenever I spoke to anyone about it was that like, I definitely understand why they would, you know, they would not want me to do this. And I don't want to. This isn't like a hill to die on, kind of thing. Like right. I will comply with their wishes. I don't want to make their job harder. They do a great job, making the city look nice. So, so the project really changed in the last couple of weeks.
0: So, but what's the future then? Like, what are you? What are you gonna? How are you gonna go about it now?
1: Well, almost immediately, uh, the local theater, which is right downtown, got a hold of me, and they're like, "Hey, we saw what happened." we would love to post your poems. And so I was like, Oh, great. You know, so I went and met them thinking like, Oh, you know, they'll have one like inside or something. Like bring us everything you've got, change them out. And now the whole front of the theater is just covered in. Them.
0: Wow. So that, <laughs> Which that is
1: cool. And I've been changing them out. And
0: that's almost, that's almost a better deal then i mean i would argue because now there's absolutely it's you got somebody's permission so there's absolutely no chance it's going to get taken down it's all it's a it's an area that's got heavy traffic it's a theater you know so you know you're going to get eyes on it so that that worked out pretty good then and the fact that they reached out to you you know i mean that that proves that it was a good idea all along
1: yeah i thought that was awesome and then other places have reached out um there's a a bank that the, the bank manager got a hold of me. She said, I, I would love to have one of these. A couple of people I knew were like, can you send me one? I would like to put one in my yard. Um, the coffee shop has let me use their property. The bookstore I work at now, we've got one in the window. Wow. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that is. It basically is taking off. I, w- I would argue is that because it, t- it took a little bit of a of a nudge, you know, because people, obviously, people liked it. You know, if they if they saw what happened, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah you can." I'll, I'll give you a spot for this, and, and it's multiple. It's everybody from a freaking bank to a theater. You know, that's that runs yeah. the gambit of like every business. You know, <laughs> like in between, that's that's both ends of the spectrum. There, you got the art and the String, pure yeah, business. <laughs> yeah, um. So that's that's great, man. What's your what are your plans for it? Like in the now that you've kind of got this new, uh, new way of doing it. What do you what what do you want to do?
1: Well, now I kind of, it's been kind of nice to slow down because if I'm going to be doing it, I want to make sure it's, you know, a really good painting, and a really good poem. Um, so It's kind of given me an opportunity to stop and reflect on the project quite a bit and where I want it to go. Um, so now I'm definitely spending a lot more time on the art, which is cool because I'm learning a lot from that. Um, just hoping other places will reach out. I was going to go around to a couple other places that I know and ask them if I can, you know, use their location and kind of just see where it goes from there. Um, it's also now that I'm not spending so much time scrambling to find a poem to post every day, I found I have a lot more time to write my own. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then which you got is, that going nice. on too. So yeah. So you got, you got your own work and then you got this poetry thing and you said you're working at an, another bookstore now. That's your day job. Yeah.
1: Um, I work at two places. Um, I, like a supervisor at a you ever heard of cherry republic yeah yeah there's a couple yeah i worked there and then i work at this like really amazing uh indie bookstore um in holland called reader's world and they started to know me because i would come in several times a week just to browse their poetry section you know i'd buy stuff but i'd also take a few screenshots of poems and be like all right i'll see you guys later and one day i went in and they were just like do you want to work here yeah sure <laughs> <laughs>
0: Those are the best kinds of jobs where you go anyway, and because they basically are like, "Hey, can we pay you? You're in here so much already. You know, we'll give you some stuff to do, and then we'll give you money for it." So that's a that's the best kind of uh, way of getting a job. Um,
1: Yeah, we've seen you help people find a book in here, so I think you know where everything is.
0: So, um, well, hey, man, we're at the top of the hour, so uh, I'm gonna let you get back to your anniversary oh, right uh, celebrations here. But, but thanks so much for coming on. Um, c- tell us where we can find you and, and your work and everything, and and where people can can look you up.
1: Oh, sure. Um, so both poetry or both Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is the better one; it's more picture conducive. Um, so it's at and then p o e underscore a. Underscore T R
0: E E so poetry. Alrighty, um, that's where I can be found. <laughs> sweet man. Well, again, it's it's great to talk to you. Um, hang on the line. I'll give you a, yeah, a, a, a proper up. goodbye <laughs> after uh, after we're off the air here. But um, but thanks thanks again for coming on. It's it's been uh, it, like I said. It's it's great it's great to see you doing well. It's great to see you found yeah, sort of this that. this knit this niche and you're you're pursuing it and um and you're you're getting a response so that's 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 great man
1: it's pretty i mean i actually met my wife doing it so it's been yeah i, <laughs> I can say it's been a successful enterprise <laughs> well that's awesome
0: well yeah i'll let you get back to to hanging out with her then so thanks thanks again for coming on um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and uh, everybody else, I will be back. Am I back next week? I am back next week. It's uh, the. It'll be the day before the 4th. I got a friend of mine coming in from Arizona. We're going to just chat do, uh, and, and catch up with each other and talk about her life and what she's doing. Um. So I will see everybody then. Uh, everybody have a great week. This has been American Winer.